A Link Between Worlds. No, we're not talking about the game of the same name, but The Link Between Worlds and A Link to the Past. Today on Legendary Adventures Podcast. Today we're venturing into the Swamp Palace, but before we do, it's a good idea to expand Link's magical abilities. Magic is a returning element in A Link to the Past from Zelda 2. Both games feature a magic meter, though how magic is handled in each game is different. While spells were learned from various old men through the adventure of Link and were activated from a menu, A Link to the Past's magic is activated through items. We've already seen this in action. For example, the lantern uses magic, as does the magic powder. The game also contains three spells which can only be used after Link acquires an associated medallion. Two of the medallions are required to complete the game. One is optional. I picked up the optional medallion here. It's found in the desert of mystery of the light world, but the location can only be reached by traveling from the dark world. South and west of the dark palace there's a bridge across a river. In the light world it's a stone man-made bridge. Here in the dark world it's a natural bridge. What's unnatural are the purple pegs sticking out of the ground, blocking Link from crossing. With the hammer, however, Link can knock down the pegs and continue south and west to the marsh. A sign near the Dark World equivalent of the Desert of Mystery informs us that it's the Swamp of Evil. We're told there's no way in or out. And that proves to be true, at least for now. At a dead end, purple pegs outline the shape of a rock formation found in the Light World. Standing within the pegs and using the mirror allows Link to get on top of an otherwise inaccessible ledge. A stone tablet can be translated with the Book of Medora, and the Bamos Medallion is awarded. This sends out a flame attack in all directions and lights enemies within range on fire. We'll get some use of this in the Swamp Palace. Now to the dungeon. While it's named the Swamp Palace, it's actually located in the marshlands adjacent to the Swamp of Evil or the Desert of Mystery in the Light World, there's a small building located in the western corner of the marsh. This is the Swamp Palace. It appears small from the outside because most of the structure is underground. The Swamp Palace is the first water-themed dungeon in the series. These dungeons have become considered staples of Zelda games, but they're often among the dungeons that most frustrate players. A major focus of many water-themed dungeons in Zelda games is changing water levels, and this is the first time in the series that mechanic comes into play and it does so right off the bat. Upon entering the dungeon, players will immediately run into a dead end. A ladder that leads deeper into the dungeon is out of reach. A staircase, however, leads to a hint tile. Sahasrala tells Link that actions taken in the light world and the dark world will affect the mirrored location in the other world. The solution here is to exit the dungeon and then use the mirror to travel to the light world. The light world equivalent of this building is sort of a spillway control building. Players can pull a switch inside to release dammed up water. Outside, the water that surrounded the building is now gone. Players will find a piece of heart and the remains of the exterior pond. Traveling back to the dark world, players will enter the swamp palace and find the first room is now flooded. This gives them access to the otherwise unreachable ladder. At the top of the ladder, players will defeat enemies to reveal a chest with a key to open a locked door that will grant access to the rest of the dungeon. This sort of interplay between the light world and the dark world to influence dungeons or locations within the game isn't really utilized any further in the game. Most of the interaction of the worlds just involves using changes in elevation to reach otherwise inaccessible areas, like we saw when collecting the Bombos Medallion. 
As with most dungeons in this game, the Swamp Palace is separated into two distinct segments. The first segment primarily plays out in a cross-shaped section of the dungeon. As with the Desert Palace and the Dark Palace before it, the two segments are separated by an item lock and not a big key lock. The second section can only be accessed once the dungeon item is acquired. Players will descend a set of stairs into the eastern arm of the cross. The dungeon map is behind a bombable wall not far from the stairs. Now from this location, players will also be able to see a skull on a lower level. Just a couple rooms over, players will find an unreachable ladder, a locked door at the top of a set of stairs, and an open door that leads to the skull. The skull holds a small key used to open the locked door. Inside that locked door, there's a switch that when flipped causes water to flow, flooding that lower level and allowing players to reach the unreachable ladder and progress to the center of the cross. The central room of the cross is large. It holds a big chest, a number of raised platforms. Some have stairs that allow Link to reach an upper level. Others are seemingly out of reach, at least until we acquire the dungeon item. The southern arm of the cross is made up of two rooms that form a singular looping path. Players will acquire the compass down this path while backtracking is minimized through the looping section of the dungeon. The western arm of the dungeon will again see players advancing to get a key near a dead end, then returning to a locked door to gain access to a switch that changes the water level, allowing players to pass. This arm of the dungeon also features a bit of trickery involving a crystal switch. Players will have to lower a set of blue blocks to access the water level switch. A door to the south of this room appears to be a shortcut. After lowering the blue blocks, players will be able to pass through this door and quickly reach the next area of the dungeon. But if players leave the blue blocks lowered and progress forward to reach the big key, they'll run into a barrier of pink blocks. Players actually need to know to reset the crystal switch before leaving the room and taking the long way around, or they will have to backtrack as I did. The big key is reached by dropping down a hole in the upper level of the dungeon. With the big key in hand, players can return to the central room and open the big chest. It contains the hookshot. This is a now classic Zelda item which makes its first appearance here. The hookshot, or some variation on it, will appear in nearly every Zelda game following A Link to the Past. It's a grappling hook which can be used to latch onto a number of different objects and then pull the player to them. We need the hookshot to access the second section of the dungeon. This section is reached by first using the hookshot to grab a small key from an otherwise inaccessible ledge and then using it to reach an unaccessible locked door. While previous dungeons have featured straightforward gauntlets for their second segments, this dungeon changes things up. The first section is actually the more straightforward of the two, and the second section is the more open. Players will enter the second section and immediately be met with a forking path. There are three doors that players can travel to, two side by side on the east, and a third further apart on the west. If players take the door to the west, they will find a switch that can change the water level, but they won't be able to push it. The correct path sees players taking the middle door. The eastmost door leads to an optional treasure chest, but it can only be reached if the water is at the correct level. This dungeon also features a door hidden behind a waterfall. I honestly don't know how I knew to walk through it. I could recall that there was an entrance behind a waterfall as soon as I reached the room that contained it, and I walked through the correct waterfall out of pure force of habit. I'm not sure how I found it the first time. If you don't know, the door is hidden behind the second to last waterfall. The layout of the room may offer a small hint to this. The side that we enter on has a visible door with one waterfall to the west of it. Players may be able to deduce that the doors are mirrored on each side and know to walk through the waterfall in the position where the door would be. I mentioned the Bamos medallion comes in handy in this dungeon. I really only used it in one room before the boss fight. It's a flooded room with enemies that float on top of the water. Players need to jump in, swim east, 
Grab a key, then swim west to reach the locked door that leads to the boss. These enemies can't be hit with a sword from the shore, and they can't be attacked while in the water, so it's easiest to use the medallion to defeat all the enemies before starting to swim. That way you won't take damage. The boss of this dungeon is Argus, a large jellyfish with a massive eye. Argus starts the fight surrounded by a number of puffballs, which it uses for both a defense and attack. Argus can't be damaged until these puffballs are destroyed. Players have to use the hookshot to pull one away and then slash it with the sword to destroy it. Once all the puffballs are gone, Argus begins leaping about the room in an attempt to land on the player. It's not difficult to avoid, however, and the boss will fall from a few slashes from the sword, awarding players the heart container and freeing the second maiden. The Maiden tells Link the Dark World has been twisted into its current shape through the influence of Ganon. She also mentions his non-beast name for the first time in series history, calling him Ganondorf the Thief, then later correcting herself to say he is now Ganon. The Maiden tells Link that there are other warp points like the one he found on top of Death Mountain. This information will be essential for later in the game. Next week we head to the northwestern portion of the Dark World to take on the spooky Skull Woods. If you haven't already and you'd like to follow along, please subscribe. Please also consider sharing this podcast. You can play A Link to the Past on Nintendo Switch SNES Online with a subscription. I am Paul Riley. Thanks for listening.